We sound better. I agree. Okay. I'm in the exact right mindset for this. I've done nothing but watch the opposite of good cinema today. I we should feed them first, huh? I'm in a good. I'm in a good mental space. I spent the day watching bad films. I watched the Tim and Eric movie. You've seen that one. I watched the stuff. You've seen that one. And I watched Microwave Massacre, which you will and definitely if be forced from to. Seeing the other two, don't watch the third. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm have you ever seen a, washing my hair that day? Have you ever seen a glory hole for the boobs? It's more up your alley. Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for <laughs> Nerds, the only podcast selling its own bones for money. My name is Toby DePola, and if you listened to last week's episode, you will know we are in the thick of the good, the bad, and the ugly. I was going to say some starrings, but not off the top of my head, so I'm going to say made by Sergio Leone, mm. part of the Dollar Trilogy, one of the most famous cowboy films in history. Can what what is a famous? Are there is there another one even close? Yeah, the theme song. Yeah, but can you think of like a non Sergio Leone cowboy movie that matters? Cowboys versus Aliens went just disappeared into the ether forever. Wild Wild West starring Will Smith is probably the only contender, and that's that's saying something. I'm joined um, by producer Kyle. The the third film in. Um, Back to the, Back future, to the future. Which is based on this anyway. <laughs> um, um, Jonah Hex. The, the live action we, film. Look, we remember that one. You and me remember that one. I don't know if people remember that one. I'm, I'm just naming all of the Wild West films that I know now. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a big list. You named like three things. I'm impressed you got that far. Look, I feel like Wild West starring Will Smith is mm-hmm. slightly higher on most Australians lists because they force you to watch it in the queue for the ride at Warner Brothers yeah I always say just call, just make it a DC Comics theme park and just just rebrand it Jonah Hex and you don't have to change a single thing I mean you could rebrand the entire thing as just a DC park it's it is I was going to say it's slowly going there. that way, but it's not. They're just expanding back the other way. No, because yeah. you've got the villains area, mm. but which that's is still out like, in Wild West. Yeah, it's, it's still you've not much there. You've got the kids area, because they've turned things. it into Arkham Asylum driving school. Oh, yeah, they got to bring back the Arkham Asylum ride, too. And you've got, like, the... roller coaster section. I'm just thinking about that park a lot, because I'm... I want them to do. I want them to refurbish the um, Justice League shooty ride more than ever now. So I'm like, oh, it, it just needs a little maintenance. I'm sure COVID hit them hard, but come on. Man. Yeah. All right. Do you remember where we were up to in this uh, Western delight? <laughs> the afternoon. We, yeah, we, we left them off on their adventure. They'd left the um, the church. We couldn't work out the name of. Mm. And everyone's off looking for the treasure. Yep. I, I still haven't come in yet, so you can't really blame me. <laughs> All right. You let us know when you're there. Um, well on the road, uh, you know what? You, you, you're closer than you think. Because um, Good, who's played by Clint Eastwood, Blondie, and then you've got Tuco played by Eli Wallace, and he's the ugly. 
Lee Van Cleef maybe is the is the bad. It'll be close enough. <laughs> my my other notes are over there. No. Mm. Um. See, so we've got good and we've got ugly, and they're and they're traveling along in their carriage dressed like Confederates, as you recall. As you recall. I I recall. As you okay. <laughs> You're frantically scrubbing through my old notes. Um. They cross paths with some more soldiers in grey. Um, and I like this bit too because um, it's very on brand for Tuco to bring attention to himself, being the fast-talking, greedy little man that he is. Mm. Um, yeah, he's like cheering for the Confederacy. Lee Van Cleef. Oh, I got it. Um, yeah, Blondie drops another good quote, which is, um, God's not on our side because he hates idiots. Um, the soldiers, before they dust the grey dust off of themselves to reveal b- blue lo- uniforms underneath, just like that, uh, Blondie and Tuco become POWs. Yay! I, I, I do like that moment when he's like... Oh, good. We've, we've met someone from the right side. Oh, crap. We have met someone from the wrong side. I could have just casually cruised past, but Tuco's like... Woo, man, yeah, the Confederacy, down with the Union, go, um, fuck, what's his name? And Blondie's like, General Lee. He's like, yeah, go General Lee. And they just, like, awkward, they just, like, quietly just brush the dust off their suits, and they're both like, fuck, man. Um, so while they're getting documented as they enter the prison camp, the guy doing roll call shouts out for a one Bill Carson. Do you remember that name? Yeah, he's the dude that knows where the treasure's buried because he died. Mm-hmm. But and they put on Tuco put on his uniform because he was like, "Hi, hey, fancy." Yeah, um, yeah. This See, is look. I paid attention. And this is where we would normally reveal that Angel Eyes hasn't popped up much because he's back with the war and working as one of the sergeants. But I did mention that earlier because he's one of the um, one of the people in charge of the good guys side. Because, you know, the if you listen to our previous episode, you'll know that this movie says a lot about how there's no good side in war because everyone's killing everyone. Everyone's mm. kind of a dick. Which, look, is a real thing. Hmm. Yep, so he heard Carson's name, but before him and his goon buddy can beat the shit out of the fake Carson, which is Tuco, um, for information, he is called upon by his captain. And that is the other captain I mentioned earlier, the one who doesn't want any trouble in his camp, but he's also dying of gangrene in his leg. Yay! Um, and the scene after that is pretty, like, brutal and sad, mm. as you recall, because I think you're, you're back now. Angel Eyes has uh, fake Carson brought into his quarters for dinner and a chat, you know? He, he knows this guy is actually Tuco, because, as you recall, saw him at one of the hangings. Yeah. Um... He knows this guy has a connection to the missing gold. Obviously, he's wearing fucking Carson's name. And they start to torture him. Um, and it, well, they let him eat a little bit first, and it's really quite disgusting because clearly he his mum had never taught him some table manners. Hmm. All the food in this is gross looking. It just looks like a big bowl <laughs> of like sad lettuce. Food. I don't know. I'm sure it's gruel or something, but it's gross to look at. Hmm. Um... Yeah, it's it's a sad scene because the guards outside are forcing the prisoners to play music to mask the sound of their comrades being tortured from reaching the only captain that would actually stop it from happening. Um, and one of the dudes playing the music with the fiddle, he's, like, crying. Yeah, it's really sad. Mm. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a dark scene, I suppose. Even though like Tuco's not one of them at all. I wonder how. Accurate but they it do is. say that's not the only time that shit went down. Yeah. I'm gonna assume it's pretty accurate because brutality is a thing that's in all forms of uh, prison systems and war and what have you. Mm. I mean, take a look at any look up U.S. police and then just turn Google into the news section. And I'm sure you'll see millions of examples like this, let's be honest. Um, so, yeah. Um, Tuco won't talk and gets the shit beaten out of him. And after some pub- pummeling by the big goon, who looks like a stereotypical goon henchman. Yeah. Um, he does eventually confess um, that the, the the coin box or the, or the gold, whatever they call it, um, is in Sad Hill Cemetery. The loot. The loot, yeah. Um, but he also says he doesn't know the grave and gives up Blondie, like, immediately. He's I like, mean, he, he knows where it is. Fuck him. <laughs> um, he yeah. did leave you to hang, so, like... Yeah. So, Angel Eyes swaps the two over, bringing Blondie in to, and gives him civilian clothes because he knows Blondie wouldn't say shit, torture or no torture, so he's getting released. Yeah, because you just follow him. It's much easier. Yeah. So, he's gone from... So we've gone from following the good and the ugly to the good and the bad. Um, as for ugly, though, well, he still has a fat reward on his head, so the big goon guy is handcuffed to him, and they hop on a train and take him to the nearest town for the reward money. So just a little side hustle there. It's nice. I know we're going for this big treasure, which ends up equating to, like, a bullshit crazy amount of money, but, like, let's, let's get that extra, like, three grand for his capture as well. Fuck it. Look. We you've don't got need him. him anymore. I've got him. Yeah, sometimes you've got to complete the side quests as well as the main story. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Eventually, while standing near an open door of the train to pee, Tuco shoves the guard and tumbles out with him, bashing his skull over and over with a stone. Um, then he has to break the handcuffs to get away from this dead man's body. Well, yes, because he just kind of, you know... He does really pummel that guy with a rock, huh? I pummeled him first. Yeah. He was just sitting in a cabin eating his dinny, and then all of a sudden this guy comes in and starts punching him in the face. Yeah, when I say torture, it's just a dude beating the shit out of him. It's not like pulling off fingers or anything no, wild he's, like he's that. No, he's just punching him relentlessly. Yes, yeah, it's, just, it's just, just a brawl. Um, yep, yeah, so what he does is he puts the handcuffs chain over the rail of the track and waits for another train. Now, no, I, no, no, no. Mm? You have to point out the fact he flops the dead dude's body onto the tracks. Yeah, he's on one side of the tracks and he's on the other to break the chain. Yeah. Now, now Kaya, when he's kneeling beside the train track, I'd mentioned this when we were watching it, the special effect that they used was called Dude, Do Not Fucking Move. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was the 60s. It was literally the same year Burt Ward was doing the pilot for... The Batman series. Oh, you mean breaking his body as he drove through an actual wall? Or are you talking about the time when he got blown up? Yeah. Or are you talking about the time when he got his arm cut open? Yeah, he got hospitalized a lot on that show. It's good trivia. You right? Yeah. Are we we still on? Oh, yeah, we're still on. It's just a little crackly at times. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so it's the same year as that, so I'm not completely shocked by the complete negligence and lack of stuntmen. 
Um, so, all right. He's, that, he's off the chain and he's skedaddling once again. All right. Oh, so, do, do you want to explain how, like, do, the train actually comes through, runs over the dead dude, and that's breaks what the chain. breaks the chain? Yeah. But, yeah, they, they pretty much measured the train and said, don't bring your head above this because it'll get taken off. Just keep flow. Yeah. It's amazing. Filmmaking's crazy. I mean, they almost killed the Tin Man because they painted him in aluminium? I, f- I forget what his paint was, but, like, who cares? Because the the witch got set on fire, was definitely allergic to a flammable paint. And then there was the other time she gets on the broom and flies out the window, but, like, the string broke immediately, so she just jumped out a fucking window with a broom. I mean, and that's the stuff they did for, like, on film. Yeah. That doesn't even include the crap they were doing, like, behind the scenes. You mean mentally abusing Dorothy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and chemically. Judy Garland. Got it. I should, I should credit the real sad person, not the character that's not sad. They made her take diet pills. They should, and she, her lunch was cigarettes. But yeah. that's probably normal back then. Cigarettes are fine. They weren't. They weren't going to kill anyone. And that's why everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're in a fresh new town for Angel Eyes and Blondie now. Not really. It's not a fresh town. The town recently was a battlefield for a civil war fight. So it's really in tatters, but it's new to them. Um, Tuco shows up there too without realising they're all in the same place at the same time. Um, you know how his luck is. Let's be realistic here. Of course he'd stumble into this place of all places. Um, the dude who I said was ugly last week, like immediately into the film. Remember that guy? Um, him, he's one of the bounty hunters who are after Tuco, um, that survived that first bit. Alright, so he was one of the bounty hunters that survived Tuco's attack in that first movie, and he just remarkably spots him meandering around this town on his way through. Yeah. Um, While this guy stalks him, Tuco takes a bubble bath. Look, I am totally on par with this guy. Bubble baths are great. I I love old-timey bubble bath because the water's already there and presumably cold and gross and nasty, and he just, like, fills it up with, like, weird, like, soap powder and bubbles and nonsense. Look, do you I'm, think do you think bubbles were predominantly to mask the blood oh yeah, than to 100%. actually do anything else? Yeah. That's tragic. And now we have bath bombs which purposely make the water not clear anymore. I think there's another purpose to bath bombs, but I don't know. I think it's just because they're snazzy. Fine. Yeah. That's what I kind of thought. Well, I think they're the same started, as a rubber ducky. No, they're, I think they're not they started anything, they're just as cool. an aromatherapy thing. And then people were just like who gives but a we shit? can make pretty colours. I saw one the other day. Oh, there we go. It's a cloud. Yeah. But like clearly the bottom is made to melt first. And then it's got little rainbow squares. So then it speeds around the bathtub. Making a rainbow. Making a rainbow out of a cloud. Apparently it was pretty expensive, so I haven't bought it. But let me tell you, do I think about it often? Yeah. This is why we don't have a Patreon. Oh, fuck, I'll share bath photos of my bath ball. I won't be in yeah, the I was bath, say, it'll you, just I, be a bath I know you well enough to know it's just a slow motion video of a fizzy cloud in a tub. <laughs> Maybe our patrons would like that. Now, two goes in the bubble bath, and the man is barges in to capture him. Kaya, would you like to explain what takes place next? So, the the man thinks I put it in capitals oh, in case you were struggling. I got this. I was going, can I give it a shot without it? And yeah, then yeah. I'll just like, so. Yeah. It's mostly a quote, you're fine. The guy comes in. Yeah. 
And he's like thinking he's super cool. And he's, he's like, I got you. I, yeah, he's like, you, you can't even go anywhere because you're naked in a bathtub. Mm. And Tuco kind of lets him, you know, go for a bit. have his little spiel. Caught him monologuing incredible style. Pretty much. Yeah. And then as the guy goes to point his gun at Tuco and be like, ha ha. You've Tuco, been bested, my friend. Tuco just shoots him from within the bubbles. He had the gun in the bubbles. Because he has, he actually has like a, a leather strap around his neck mm. and that's attached to his gun. Yeah, he just, he everyone's just got has. holsters except for him. His is just on a string. Yeah. <laughs> he holds his gun up by a shoelace. Um, Let's see how I went. He shoots the dude in his bowls and says, if you want to shoot someone, shoot him. Don't talk. Because remember that being a very specific thing about... Um, again, we covered this last week. Kaya, edit this bit <laughs> with your fancy technologies. It's fine. Don't really do it. Right? But um, this movie took a lot of... Um, being a spaghetti western, it took a lot of swings at the Hollywood version of a western film, which were much more clean and monologue and trumpety for some reason. And so him being like, don't talk, you'll get killed, is being like, hey, western films, shut the fuck up for five minutes, you're ridiculous. Well, and this movie does no. a lot of body language super well too, so it it's justified. It's not a... You know what I mean? Like, it can make that call. It's definitely not a hypocritical thing to say. No. But, like, if you're in the position where, like, you've got the dude you want to kill and you could finally kill him. Mm. So do it. You quit dicking around. Like. It's also funny that it's Tuco saying that who has, like, the most talking and dialogue and screen time in the film. Yeah. That does. I'm going to I'm gonna tangent into that now. Mm. The fact that Clint Eastwood's the star that comes out of this is kind of odd to me. A little bit. Because Tuco has the most screen time, and Clint Eastwood is the good, but he kills... Probably more. Look, he, he kills, I think, 11 or 12, and the bad kills three, but that doesn't sound as fancy, so I'm going to say he killed three times the evil character killed. Yeah. Four times, depending on which trivia I go off, because I didn't stop to count it the whole time. Nice. But yeah, I, I I am like it's weird that he counts as the good. But yeah, it's fine. Um, so Blondie camped out with Angel Eyes and his goon squad. He starts going for a wander, and one of the goon squad is sent to follow him quietly, and he's shot for lack of stealth. Which again we brought up. He has like a knack of just like Telling people how they fucked up before killing them. Yeah. Which we saw in a film recently, which we'll probably talk about on a free period later on. But I do like your point that it's ironic because we just said, like, don't use dialogue, just kill a guy. He's usually already injured them. <laughs> but I like that he's, he turns around because you hear the dude's footsteps, like, on a, on a bit of gravel. And he just looks at him and is like, and just fires the gun. He's like, you try. You know, you know what you did wrong. It's fine. Um, yep, so he's walking around the town having a bit of a scope it out, and he f- fucking finds Tuco in his bubble bath. Bubble bath. Um, he's still pretty confident that Angel Eyes and, um, the five remaining goons are definitely going to kill him once they get to the gold, 
So he prefers to take his chances with Tuco, who is only one guy to going to kill him at the end of this. Yay. Um, and the two of them make their way back towards Angel Eyes, and that's a very cool set piece. You saw that one? Yeah. Um, the town is still being a little bombed, so it's very dusty and smoky, and it's just these two cowboys, like, shooting other cowboys. Mm. It's it's simple, but it's it's one of the more action-packed set pieces of the, of the film. Um, and they also can't kill Blondie because he knows the grave at this point. So and he's he just hasn't kind of like anyone. Nah, he's he's the only one with that key. So he's mostly just there they wh- while they fire at Tuco. <laughs> he points out a couple of them, shoots a couple himself. You know. Um. Yeah, so it's a very cool moment. Um, when they reach Angel Eyes, uh, the, when they reach the bed he was sleeping in, he's gone. And in the bed is that first dead man yeah. from the, the, that fucks up at stealth. And there's a note saying, see you soon, idiots. And if you recall, Tugo can't read so good. No. It's very rude of Blondie. <laughs> it's like, what does it say? It says, idiots. I think it's for you. So they're finally starting to get close to Sad Hill, the cemetery, the treasure. Um, Tuco and Blondie stumble into more u- um, Union soldiers this time. Yeah. Uh, this time they're not dressed like Confederates, um, and they're not. Pr- they don't end up being prisoners, but pretend to be men looking to enlist. Which, look, I had great issues with this scene mm-hmm. because. They're, they're walking down a track and, you know, no one's going on. Oh, yeah, you're talking on. about the camera, yeah. And then, you know, literally they look like they're, like, the only people in a very barren, deserted track. The camera, like, pans around them slightly. There's an entire <laughs> Confederate war going on. Yeah. Like, hundreds of thousands of men. Just slightly off screen. The film does, um, it does like to reveal things in a very specific way, and it does like to keep either really tight character shots or really vast spread out shots, and having those two directly next to each other does look a bit odd, doesn't it? Because <laughs> they're right fucking there. Like, I don't even know how to, like... But it's also very on brand, because, like, the trio are just completely ignoring the entire Civil War at the time. I understand <laughs> To the point that, where it's, like, right next to them, and they're like, oh, yeah, war, cool, right. It's, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. They're missing, they're missing the main campaign of the game because they're going around collecting collectibles. Literally, they're looking yeah, for treasure on the still, side. You can still see the main campaign going on. Nah, they don't give when shit. you play Resident Evil, but you can all... see the castle in the background. But literally all three of them are horrible, selfish pieces of shit. It doesn't. So they're probably playing Resident Evil exactly the way we've been playing Resident Evil. It doesn't change the landscape. Um, yep, so this is where we meet the third Union captain that I mentioned in part one, the drunk one. Yeah. The one who has to be completely smashed to Look, survive the mental anguish and gore that he is witnessing every day. After my day today, I feel like I've got a new connection. Literally everyone who has a bad day and goes, I need a drink. Is this dude. Uh, holding a candle to this man who is, I think, repressing some serious like wardrobe. <laughs> it's okay. He gets through it. I didn't say well. <laughs> 
I know where this moment's going, and so do you, which is why I'm perplexed by your comments. <laughs> You're not even spoiling it. You're just blatantly lying now. <laughs> I'm doing what they did with the entire Civil War. Leave me alone. So he shows our protagonists this bridge. Um, and he knows uh, and what a shit show he finds himself in. So the Union is on this side and the Confederates are on the other side. So there's a big stalemate going on. The only action is a few tacks here and there across the river, but then nothing because no progress in either direction can really occur. It's just young men randomly being killed. Yay! He wishes the bridge would just fuck off. <laughs> oh, look, I'm there would There would be no random bloodshed without any actual reason or any sort of ground on both sides yeah, of no the one, wall. Yeah, no one can get anywhere, so... Yeah, and Blondie asks why they don't just fire their cannons on the bridge and be done with it, but the captains higher up say it's a good strategic bridge, so people have to die for a while. Um, yeah, so... And they're too good of guys to, like, just board up. Yeah. They, they actually follow orders. Yeah, they have some... Yeah, they, they have war on it, but they can very clearly see that it's doing more harm than good um so there's another rally of fire and blondie and tuco watch as many men are completely destroyed some people put out a theory here kyle Mm -hmm. that this traumatizes blondie into becoming the good this is the origin of the good okay um they have evidence that at the end as the film goes but i'm on the fence about it like it's mostly around the quote of being like i've never seen so many men fall like this or whatever he says something to that effect um i'm kind of on the fence about it because he's still he doesn't really change his personality um yeah the whole movie is about gray areas it is literally so for him to become a white knight at the end like um like return of the jedi style it's it doesn't really fit to me everyone's kind of a cowboy buccaneer You got a time frame there? 27. I'm doing, I'm doing okay, like, note-wise, as far as pacing goes. Depending on how much of this shit went out of that, it's really disruptive. Disruptive, baby. What did you say, 27-something? One? 10? Just 27. It's at the end. 27 dicks. That's a whole lot of penis. Mm-hmm. Um, after witnessing the captain who stood with his men I'll give him credit for that is mortally wounded they decide that the bridge has got to go he's still alive just he won't be for long I, I do like um, Blonde like they they all know and Blonde is like hold on for a little bit longer and keep your ears open and winks yeah he's like guess what I'm about to fucking do dude he's like good um, and he gives them a drink. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the cemetery is on the other side of this bridge and there's literally a war taking place. Yeah. So it's in our character's best interest to um, at least get rid of this battlefront. Yeah. So while rigging the bridge with the explosives, which is also kind of, dis- I feel like that disproves um, that he's a good guy now because, <laughs> because they beat up medics. To steal the 
Stretcher. Yeah, the stretcher to carry the bomb more effectively. And then they're just, like, poking and prodding corpses to look like they're going to put people on the stretcher, but they just, like, leave them there. But this, they're being good because... This, they rolled fucking paramedics to get that stretcher. Yes, yeah, so It does that they go off screen and you hear the punching anymore. noises. But, and then you see them But with then the they don't have to heal the wounded anymore. One or, two, one or two people is better than a hundred. Right. And at this point, they're rigging the place with explosives, and Tugo wants to share the secret in case one of them dies. Yeah. He tells Blondie it's Sad Hill Cemetery. Blondie eh, cock-teases a little bit, but does tell him that the grave they're looking for is Arch Stanton. Yeah. Uh, with that, they set up and light the fuse. Um, then I love the captain here in the bomb, the, the big boom, like he does the die. It's, 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 when I love it, it's very sad, but he does go down with a smile on his face and I appreciate that. Like, you he really, you really, wish. you really feel for that character. We, you know him for three fucking minutes, yeah. even less of screen time. He's not there the whole bit, but like good filmmaking that you even give the slightest shit about that guy. Yeah, you're excited that he gets what he wants. Like, um, without spoiling anything, because the name comes up after the fact, it's like the exact opposite of Milton, which was done as a joke. Mm. This is like the heartfelt version of that. Yeah, because that kind of... That was played for laughs. This is like the exact opposite. This is like a, ugh, I feel things in my soul again. I need to watch stupid shit instead. Ah, so I just need to show you that clip on repeat. Got it. No, I don't want. I don't want feelings ever again. <laughs> um, yep. So I, I'm impressed by that moment. It's a, it's a it's a weird standout character. Yeah, he was good. Mm. So um, yeah. Now without the bridge, there's like one last volley. Um, our main characters hide behind a bunker and pretty much like fall asleep, either fate or pass out or just wait too long and fall asleep. So when they wake up and stand up again, um, both sides of the war left in the night. Yep. Everyone got the fuck out of there as quickly as possible because none of them want to be there. Again with the whole... Do you reckon... Like, it's, it's not shown, but do you reckon like through binoculars, the Confederate sees the Union and they're just like, I don't know, after the bridge is gone and then one dude with binoculars looks at the, the Confederates and they're like, I don't know, and everyone just like... No, no one fires a gun. Everyone just like awkwardly just picks up and just walks back the other way and be like, ah, oh, fuck it. Possibly. Because I'm assuming the other side aren't thrilled about this bridge either. Um, yeah, but so again, they like to move that many people in the night with not waking them up. I think it's just for the sake of getting everyone out of there so we can continue the movie. I understand, but it's stupid. I'm sure they were all just like, fuck yeah, and everyone just ran before they were told to go back. Alright. So, with that... They just have to cross that river, and it's just a straight shot to the Sad Hill Cemetery. It's right fucking there. Yeah. So they roam past many dead from the war there, and Blondie stops to comfort a man in his final moments, gives him his coat, gives him a puff on his cigar, and he ends up leaving the coat with the man after he finds the poncho. That's right, Kaya, the poncho. This, even though he doesn't play the same dude in the other movies of the trilogy... It's, uh, I don't think he does. Um, whether he's blonde in this, Manco or Joe, 
this is the I guess it's a prequel because he's wearing that poncho in all three of these films. It's him putting it on in this moment. <laughs> just a just a weird prequely origin-y, but not really thing. So clearly, it's vague. Like Cannon's vague. I think he did because he never like cleaned it or gave it to anyone. He just held on to it the whole time. Might have just been a lucky charm from the first fucking movie, frankly. No, I, I just mean like a film. Like it was like all films will involve ponchos. I think that was Clint's choice because he keeps bringing it with him. Nice. But yeah, um, I'm not sure if he plays the same character. I know Lee Van Cleef definitely fucking doesn't. But yeah, there you go. He has his poncho now. He actually looks like he does in the posters and the quotes and the fucking Instagram throwback flashback posts and such. Yeah. If he had a pop vinyl, it would probably be wearing the poncho. Um, alright. So, while he was comforting this man, Tuco ran on ahead. So Blondie just starts firing a cannon at him. Nice. The, the one that the dying man, I, I suppose, was manning. Um, and he tumbles in one of the big explosions of dirt and cannon fodder. And it happens. Like, my the, the favourite moment for me, not just in this film, but it's up there in all movies, I think, when they reach Sad Hill Cemetery. Um, Tuco running through that field of graves and that song Ecstasy of Gold playing as we just blur past, like, hundreds of graves. I love that mo- moment. It's weird... And kind of happy and free, but after this is a long movie. After this big journey of so much carnage and weird twists and turns and shit, the mo- the moment feels really earned. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's very rare you get to the end of the movie, like the finale of a film, and you're like, "We did it," because it's long, but it's not like a boring slog. Like we didn't earn it because it was hard work to watch. Yeah. I don't. It's hard to describe. It's just. Really cool to get there. Um, yeah. Like, even though just I'm a slob on the couch, just in the middle of the night watching this film, it still feels like we did it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Do you have any examples to compare this to? Because I can't think of, like, a comparison to help me describe this. When you're reading a really good book. Hmm. I, I still can't think of a specific example. But yeah, yeah, I, I do really enjoy that scene. It, it's like when you get to the end, like the last book in a series. And something, yeah. And you're like, oh, it's it's been six books to get here, but dang. But it was worth the ride. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the score, like the sound stops like really suddenly and all the blurring stops suddenly as we reach the foot of Arch Stanton's grave. Yeah. Now, Tuco pulls a chunk off of the grave beside Arch to use to start digging. Yeah. Which I'm going to – don't let me forget to come back to this. I'm doing a big arrow on my notes. It's a bit rude. Desecrating a grave. Look, I was growing up very respectful. Don't let me forget this, this big arrow. Okay. Okay. All right. So after a little while of digging with what looks like a big chunk of bark, the gravestones there aren't fucking awesome – no. Um, a shovel lands beside him. Uh, it's Blondie who already has a gun out, so Joko can't really go for his. It's a bit late for that. So he obliges for a bit, 
with the shovel, and then a second shovel lands there, almost hitting the poor fucker. Special effects be damned. He almost got hit by a shovel in this moment. Um, and that is Angel Eyes. Mm-hmm. He tells Blondie to start digging too. But Blondie says, no, why the fuck would I do that? As Tuco opens the grave, Blondie points out that it would be a complete waste of time. Because there's a body in that grave. It's the wrong grave. He lied to the- There's no treasure there. He still holds the final key. And everyone's like bickering and there's guns out. And he goes, look, it's $20,000. So $200,000. And with inflation, to keep you up to date here, Kaya Steen, it is $3.333 million in American money. Ooh. Is what they're all after. And he says that sort of money needs to be fucking earned. Yes. So he walks into the clearing in the middle of the graveyard. He writes a name on the rock, or just a, just a rock, puts it face down in the center of the clearing, and starts walking to one of the... It's, it's a round fucking area, but not a corner. He just picks a direction and starts walking. They make the triangle while pointing guns at each other. Yeah, the three men all move... To the, no, no guns yet, because that's part of standoff oh, culture. Yes, you have true. to pull it out at the same time, I guess. Yep, so all three men move to a section of the clearing, and the standoff begins, the Mexican standoff, like the iconic one, I suppose. I Three-week standoff. This is two weeks of me gushing about this old cowboy film. I prefer A Few Dollars More's final standoff. It just, I, I like the, the how, it, how it rolls the twist and then the what's the word? I, don't know, it, it, I like that one better. This is still pretty great though. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was good. It builds good tension. It does for literally like four or five minutes of just sweaty men squinting at each other. It fucking does a pretty good job with nothing, doesn't it? Just every camera angle between them slowly getting closer and closer and closer to build tension as the music does the same. It's It it's shows how much well a score made. and a director of photography can make a film. If the <laughs> Just picture that scene from just one wide angle the whole time with, like, the Spanish Flea song playing. And tell me it is half the fucking picture this is. <laughs> yeah, so... It, it does a really great job. I love it. It shows how much all these little pieces of cinematography can make or break something. And at the crescendo, they the, the, the gunfire happens. Yeah. Because that's the thing. It's good to build up this sort of shit. But because all the action it. takes place in a half-second moment. Mm. All right. So Blondie nails Angel Eyes. Non-lethally, as the people who want to say he's good point out. Um... Angel doesn't have a chance to fire because he gets hit. And then Tuco, um, he didn't fire shit because that night when all the soldiers left, Blondie pulled the bullets out of his gun <laughs> because he figured some shit would go down when they got there between those two. Didn't plan for Angel less, but, you know, he disarmed one of them. Um, and only when Angel... Eyes tries to level his pistol, does Blondie fatally shoot him? He falls into an open grave and the other two walk over to the stone. No, he shoots him a bunch of times when he's in there. Yeah, just to be thorough. Again, probably he, not He good. shoots him, he falls into a grave and he's just like, I'm just going to let off another three or so. I'm going to keep one to be a dick later and do a nice quote. But the rest can go here. 
Um, Tuco follows Blondie to, guess what? An unmarked grave beside Archstanton. The one Tuco pulled apart to dig with earlier. Which again is me bringing up how shit his luck is and every turn he does it quite kind of wrong. Because when we were rewatching it together, for a second I thought he had pulled a shovel away from the grave. Implying that someone had used a shovel to do something in that grave. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though it was just bark, it obviously was not a, like a weird foreshadowing reference. But the fact that he went to that grave to kind of desecrate it, to go back to his greedy ideas, yeah. is, is very fucking on brand for the guy. Whether he knew, whether whether it's filmed that way on purpose or not, it's very... Yeah, he does that every moment you see of him in this fucking movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they walk over to that unmarked grave. Blondie hands him the shovel. And like I said last week, Tuco likes to do those there's only two men in this world kind of speeches, whether they're fucking good or not. He just likes to say them. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. <laughs> um, I fucking, I love that quote, honestly. It's... It's on my bar fridge, actually. It's probably next to, like, an anime girl or something, but it's on there. It's amongst my stickers, Kaya. Um, but Tuco digs and finds the gold, all the gold buried beside Archdenton. Um, He pulls out bags of gold and is so happy. He looks up at Blondie and the noose again. <laughs> I love that it literally follows them this whole movie. Yeah. Um, well, I'll come back to this moment as well because I got... um. Remember I had spare bits somewhere. It doesn't matter. I can remember. But we can talk about that after. Um, he's told to get in the noose and stand on a wobbly headstone with his hands tied behind him. Blondie loads the gold onto onto the horse and leaves Tuco with the original cut. Leaves half mm-hmm. of the gold behind because that was the original thing. And that shit's what got the... It's kind of a smart-assy move. I like it. Um, he gets on his horse and heads on off. Tuco screams for a while as Blondie goes over the hill and, and into away. the distance. He turns around just as he goes over the crest and shoots the rope. Yeah. We see the ugly hit the ground like it freeze frames. The text pops up like it did at the intro. We see the bad in the grave and we see the good long gone. Yeah. What do you think about the film? It was pretty good, even though I only watched half. Maybe a little bit over half. Again, I knew it was like an iconic cowboy fucking movie, whatever. I never expected it to have so many like smart bits of dialogue, well built twists and turns. It uses everything wholly to an advantage. It was. I don't want to say it was cutting edge for its time, but mentally, I feel like it was. Our only point of reference for the same year is a fucking children's cartoon about Batman, but it, was a it feels family. really switched on. It was a family show. Look, I'm impressed by this movie. I, I don't know what I was going... I didn't know what I expected going into it, but it was a lot more than I expected going into it. Um, would you recommend it to the listeners? I think all of those like classic... like. I feel like people wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't something. Yeah, you, you are right. Like, 
everyone knows. Like, I, I understand not wanting to read Romeo and Juliet, but I think at least once in your life you should. Don't pressure me. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I like, know what you mean. It's like it would have definitely it, fell away by now. Yeah. If it mattered. Like, um. If it didn't matter. Yeah, if it didn't matter, it would fade away from our collective conscious, and I, like Avatar did. <laughs> I hated that film. Are you excited for the five more that are keeping us out of an Alita 2 for fuck's sake? Look, all the only thing I like <laughs> about that film is the, is the noodles yeah. from from the park. I like the weird the weird ice cream that came in the ball. No, I liked the was it like shrimp pasta or something? Yeah, they, they tried to make alien looking cuisine in the food court at the Disney. Avatar area. And I don't know. I'm, look, the area is nice, but I'm here all there for it. Pasta was good. I'm looking at it because it's pretty. I don't give a shit that it's about Avatar because I have no time for that film. I haven't seen it and I don't really care. I've seen this though and it was good. And I would recommend it too. Because, um, yeah. Um, it was certainly a dangerous set. That's one of my other final thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't put it into my notes as it went. But 1966 was a tough year to be an actor. Same, same, same year Burt Ward was getting in and out of hospital all through that first one. Um, Eli Wallace had to literally duck under that train. Um, when the bridge explodes, I pointed it out to you as we went, um, a big chunk of bridge like pegs that sandbag next to him. Pretty fucking hard, didn't it? <laughs> Even though they're ages away. There was collision. Mm-hmm, that shit got impaled. The collision um, was on. And I'll cycle fire. back to that bridge scene as well, because it's um we come back to another horrible occupational hazard. As as well. Being but it's a not, bridge? Yeah. Um and um the bags of gold I mentioned earlier, to make them brittle enough for Eli to smash with that shovel. <laughs> that soaked him in acid. Yeah. That for some fucking blinding reason they were just keeping him like a lemonade bottle. So before Pretty much from the Stanton Grave scene onwards, Eli Tuco, the guy with the most dialogue and the most acting of the bunch, is filming it with horrible sores in his mouth because it's a hot set in Spain or whatever the fuck, and he sees a nice cold lemonade just off camera, and he takes a sip and goes, this is acid. <laughs> the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Oh, I feel bad for him because he's also the train guy. The guy almost got killed with the shrapnel and they call him ugly in the poster. <laughs> he had a bad day. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he did. Um, and the bridge. Uh, and, like, he's constantly getting, you know, guns pointed at him and ropes tied around his neck. Yeah. Like, I, he, he's not having a great time. No. Poor bastard. And he doesn't even get famous from it. He does a little bit. It's still one of the most famous. He's not the Clint Eastwood, though. That's what That's, I was yeah. getting at. Um, now, what did you think of the bridge? Visually, not as a set piece. Did it look like shit to you? Eh. You can say it. It's important in my notes that you tell me it does not look like a very well-built bridge. Well, I was surprised it held up as many soldiers as it did. Because it doesn't look too great, huh? It looks it's like they what? banged it out, like, in a day. Sure. Yep. <laughs> Um, it was like, a, what, it was a could rough... I build something better? Probably not. But at the same time. <laughs> so there was a bridge there, as you can probably imagine. 
and it was set to explode, as you can imagine. Um, the director would radio the pyrotechnic guy and say, go. Um, and someone else on the radio doing some other unrelated shit let another guy do something and said, yeah, yeah, sure, go. Guess, guess what? I have a feeling they blew up the bridge. Without cameras. Yeah. The guy with the detonator said, someone said go. Sick. Boom. Blows, <laughs> blows the fucking bridge. Leon is fucking furious. I Goes to fire the detonator guy. And I think the dude who was also using the radio fucks, who, whose fault it was, kind of. Um, and then, like, all the Spanish, like, crew members were like, we'll build, we'll rebuild the bridge tonight. Okay, we'll, we'll take another shot. Just don't fire anyone. That's our only condition. They they didn't mean it. <laughs> so that's why the bridge looks like that. <laughs> and this is why we have separate radios and code words. We have channels now. Yeah, so... Up th- Do you need to come back to your arrow yet? A little... Mm. No, not really. It was me talking about how, like, I, I thought it for a second it was a shovel, but the fact that his luck is always almost good but completely shit is just an ongoing theme, and I think that's just a subtle version of it because he went to the correct grave only to go back to the wrong grave. Uh, gets to see a horrible rotting corpse and then almost gets shot by a guy. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just it's fucking lucky no one was on the bridge at the time. Because the way this era of filmmaking was, it's amazing they bothered to keep the area clear. I mean, they had explored. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the end of my... Mm, yeah. All right, so last week's homework was, like, favourite, like, um soundtracks to a film. But do you have a favourite theme song? Because, again, this is one of the most, like, iconic theme songs of all time. People know the theme song more than they know the movie. So do you have like a main off the top of your head? I'm not really good at them either. I, I, my backup answer is probably the River City Girls video game. Because that, I didn't expect that game to fucking bop as hard as it did. Because, you know, it's all pixel art and two-dimensional side-scrolling beat up. I kind of thought it was going to be very 8-bit musically, but then it's just like girly pop rock, and I was like, huh, there you go. <laughs> Surprising. Um, I, re- I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I do remember liking Robocop's theme. Mm. Mm. Oh, Kyle, I like any Harry Potter theme song. If it's screamed like you're a chattering skull with no lips. Kiss from a rose. Oh, no. No? Okay, i keep going. That's fine. I prefer the U2 song from that album. Oh, we're talking about Batman Forever, of course, we always are. Um, Honestly, it's weird. I got in trouble for singing Lady Marmalade once. Apparently, it's not an appropriate song for a 16-year-old group of girls to sing while in a French-speaking nation. I can see that. Um, the t- the the Danny Elfman Batman theme. Do you want to know a terrible a, a one? Classic what? Everything is awesome. The Lego Movie. Yeah, that one's not a pain in everyone's ass. Oh, if we're, if we're going to talk about like 
songs like that, I just want to make a public statement to our local radio stations. Pixar's Cars came out in 2006. You can stop fucking playing Life is a Highway at any point. You don't have to play it every single fucking day of my life. My God. Every day, though. Why? You telling me there isn't 24 hours worth of music in existence so you can't... Oh, my God. That's a pet peeve I ran into recently this week. I can apparently tell. Fuck off with that song. Oh, the Men in Black theme song is good. Anytime Will Smith does a rap, why the fuck wasn't he there for the first of us? That's cool movie. Right? Right? I'm not being sarcastic. I'm agreeing with you. I don't know why I did it like that. I apologize. <laughs> I feel insulted. <laughs> yeah. The Wild West, Men in Black, Switch. Everybody now, Switch. That wasn't from a film. That was just... Yes, it was. It's not from Hitch. Don't even... Oh, shit. Like, Fresh Prince is probably another theme song that stands the test of time, Well, I didn't it? use that one because it's a TV one. I, I, yeah, I know it is, but if we're on the Will Smith train here for some reason, yeah. They should make other actors do that shit. Well, they did. Not enough. Remember the old Disney films came at a period where at the end was the lead person singing a song? Mm. Yeah. Hilary Duff had some bobs. Bebops? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, okay, are you satisfied? Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts about the film or cowboys in general? I like the fact that you added about the film because I have final thoughts, but they're not to do with the film. Okay, <laughs> just, just these are my final <laughs> commandments. I have ten. Yep. One, rate the podcast. Two, review, review the, the podcast. podcast. <laughs> uh, three, um, subscribe on iTunes. Four, Take follow on Spotify. Five, hygiene. <laughs> Six, um, email us uh, topic recommendations at schoolforwaywoodnerds at gmail.com. Uh, Seven. Yeah, yeah, I still got some more. Eat a go. snack. Let's just have a treat. You've, you've done all right. Uh, Eight. Eight. Drink a glass of water. Mm. Hydration's important. Nine is um get a get a pedicure sometimes. They're okay. Ten. Only watch bad cinema and listen to the school for why would We know? just watched a good cinema though. <laughs> was it? It was bad for like Tuco. <laughs> it was fine for everyone else. Yeah. Um yeah, watch more stuff. Take I a, need to watch a, more stuff, take a but I also need things. more time. Yeah. If you, if you I like the fact that you're the person being like, you should watch more stuff. Take a chance on things. No, there is no way in hell I'm watching the Loki TV series. I'm just lazy for hour-long television. That's my problem. Break it. Literally break up every single episode in half, I'll probably end up watching it. Okay. I'll probably even end up binging it, which is the ironic thing. That's, I like the fact you're like, I won't watch an hour worth of TV. I want the option to has stop watched, watching it every 22 minutes. Has watched all of American Dad. I just have it in the background stream. I'm not family Guy. <laughs> I fucking phased out of Family Guy and Simpsons. But I stuck through some of the harsh episodes of Futurama to make it to a satisfying conclusion. Which is where we're at on the podcast. A satisfying conclusion. I have been your host... Um, Toby Apollo, I've been joined by producer Kaya. Hello. Mm. Goodbye. If you have to kill someone, kill them, don't talk.
That's our lesson today. Class dismissed. Also, when you kill them, call triple zero. No. <laughs> Peace out, bros. Put him in a sandwich. I watched Microwave Massacre, remember?